December thirteen, two thousand seventeen, episode thirty-one. Back at you with Mike Hogan and the return of Bob Nastanovich. Well, it's good to be back on the podcast, Mike. It's good to hear your voice, Bob. I think it was a very thank you very much. It's good to hear yours as well. It's a circuitous route around England. Yeah, seventeen hundred miles over there. It's been like three weeks since I've talked to you. Yeah. I know. Thanksgiving time. How was your Thanksgiving? Must have been. Mine was great. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it was good. A lot Ate of well, a lot of food. Some good people. Yeah. yeah. Then I had on Sunday I had to drive to Dulles, which you know, and with clean roads, it would normally take a hundred miles from Richmond to Dulles, but it was Sunday Thanksgiving traffic, so I ninety five North was a parking lot, so I actually had to loop through the mountains out Culpeper Way and eased my way up there and got on the flight. Everything went smoothly. Empty middle seat. Got to London. Heathrow. Took the tube in. Met my, my best mate, John MacArthur. Met the band at 1.30. We cruised down to Bristol and and uh, had a great opening slot, opening for Thurston Moore Band. Oh, nice. Thurston Moore Solo. Thurston Moore Solo. Nice. So what, yeah. what 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 did Thurston do? Was it just him with an acoustic, a, a electric? Was it noise? Was it songs? Well, when I was up there, first of all, the play it was the 30th anniversary of the Louisiana and Bristol. It's a, it's a small club, okay, and they were very excited to have Thurston and and Richard Walsh. She's a great promoter from the from the Bristol area. He actually put our show on in London a couple of nights later, and he he contacted me two weeks before and he said hey we need a support band and i said well i got swerve on and i'll dj in the bar so we worked it all out in a flash you know we showed up there and and so essentially watching thurston was a difficult task because he definitely could have put 300 in a room that held 150 you know like mm-hmm. i said so, you know like i go in there i popped in there a few times and john watched it out the back but like what i saw he was brilliant you know he played acoustic and sang a lot then he he got really electric and noisy the the last bit but everybody walked out of there thrilled played for about an hour and a half and like <clears throat> great guy good to see him you know like uh in a great frame of mind and and uh really enjoyed um djing nice uh and uh, it was it was just good to see him and the, you know the, the, that's the only night we saw him then we went back to we drove to margate which is four hours and then we went we went from Margate. There's the ghost. Ghosty. We went from Margate to London, London to Manchester. The band did a BBC Radio Six Live thing, which was awesome with Mark Riley. Oh, nice. Of, yeah. Of fall fame, of course. And, uh, and then they played a small place in Salford, and then we uh, eased our way over to York and did a Christmas party over there. And a couple days in Hull, I had a wonderful, wonderful time DJing at Thieving Harry's at, in Hull and. Played the Adolphian Hall, and then we went up to Durham, 
and which is a fantastic place in Northumberland, college town, and then up to Glasgow, and then back down to Nottingham, and that was the end of the road. I might have, I might have left a spot out. <laughs> wow, Seemed like we were busy all the time, yeah. but sounds nonstop. That's a lot for well, three the, weeks, man. Well, I mean, uh, that, I was only, actually only over there for about eleven days because I was in Richmond for five days, chilling with the family. But um, it was uh, the best thing about the tour is, is Schwervon did seven brilliant shows, and, it, and like it was one of those classic like get the band on stage and and. And whoever turned up, the band really lit up the crowd. And and uh, I drummed on one song every night. I nice. drummed on a song that um, Nan, the drummer, improv dances. And uh, Matt, the singer, makes up a poem every day that he wrote in the back of the van. And uh, everything was everything really worked out. It was a little tenuous at times with the weather, but we beat the traffic. And then then I finished off the trip going to Sandown Racecourse, one of my favorite racecourses in the world. Saw the Tingle Creek Chase, which was a marvelous day. And made it made it back to the U.S. and spent a couple more days with the family, then headed back to Des Moines. So, wow! I don't know how many more times I can do it at fifty. You know, like I don't know how many times I can march around, like TMing, you know, and driving, and right, you know, looking after a lot of details and. I mean, my friends Arch and Jess and Hull put us up, and Dom and Nick and York put us up for a couple nights, and and uh, Emma and John and, and Margate put us up for a couple nights, and we just, if anything, we probably had too much fun, Mike. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's good. Glad you had fun. Glad to have you back. You know, we had a couple couple different guest hosts. Did four shows while you were gone. This is now episode. I noticed 30. that, but I haven't. I mean, I've been back so so briefly. That's it's, okay. I, I haven't had a chance to listen to any of it. But my wife Wit, she listened to them. She said they were great. That's cool. Well, I'm glad. Th- thank Wit for me. I'm glad she listened to them. Uh, we're now up to episode 31. Um, yeah, you missed you missed some fun stuff. Catch up when you can. Uh, we t- you know the, the played some stuff that would have been cool f- to discuss with you. Um, cause you know, play, played some songs that I know you have, uh, input on, like, uh, you know, I played some stuff from come and, Oh, I love that band. Love yeah, that band. for sure. And, uh, the Triffids. um, I Oh, the Triffids. Whoa. So you guys really hit that. And uh, now I know that, um, our, our dear friend who wrote the theme music, he was on three of the shows. Jack. Yes. Jack yeah, was on Jack. three. Yeah, so that, that that's a song. the The theme tonight is one you hadn't heard. I kind of surprised him with that one. Teddy did the little uh, guest oh, I love spot. That. It had to have been Teddy. Yeah, Teddy. I was like, if that was you, I was getting that was some serious voice manipulation. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that we had a vocal synthesizer pedal, and I figured, no nah, hell, that must be Teddy. Yeah, that was Teddy. That was the debut of Teddy. You know, yeah. a couple episodes ago, uh, you know, played some played some Vic Chestnut. Um, oh wow, so I've been some great music. Yeah. yeah. Um, I played, uh, do you know, you know, Reiner Potosik? Not off the top of my head. Oh man. I'm going to have to play more Reiner. I love, yeah. love, love Reiner Potosik. He was, he was one of the founding members of Giant Sand and, oh, okay, yeah. and then he went solo and he continued to play with, with Hal Gelb and, in, in Giant Sand and, um, yeah. amazing, amazing guitarist. Um, See my dear buddy from Hull, Stevie Love. Left, he lives up in Scarborough now. He would have tour managed all that in Europe. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and that whole access Howie Gelb and and the whole Giant Sand unit are you know like a lot of bands um, are more successful in Europe than they are in the United States. 
Of course, uh, yeah. Actually, it's 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 true because uh, Reiner, he was over there. He was touring. Uh, I think he played Jules Holland. Uh, I think he played some other shows. Uh, Robert Plant was in the audience for one of them. He ended up collaborating with with Page and Plant. Um, Whoa! Yeah, and I mean he's an am- he was an amazing guitarist. He he unfortunately about twenty years ago died of a brain tumor. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll play some more Reiner. I mean you can't play enough Reiner. Um, just sadly sad story, but but also sadly underappreciated. I think um, amazing songwriter, amazing guitarist. So yeah, well, definitely by this listener. Check it out. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think I think you'll dig it. I, I even I even did Tucson a little Tucson magic. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll we'll revisit some of that stuff. I played Obnox. Do you know Obnox? Oh, I love that band. Yeah, Gerard puts them out. Twelve XU band. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, Texas band. Yeah. No, 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 oh. Cleveland. Oh, they're Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the, All right. Yeah, I know the band. I've got one of the records. It's um, it's Lamont, uh, the drummer from the Bassholes. I don't know any of the history. I just have the one album, and yeah. I, I play a couple of tracks off when I DJ. Yeah, no, it's it's, a, the album came up about three years ago on on One Two XU. Right. Yeah, it's some badass stuff. Um, Lamont Thomas, uh, Bassholes. You know Bassholes, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was the drummer with uh, Don Howland from the Gibson Brothers. Yeah, we played a lot of good rock and roll, man. Some blues. There you go. That's Towns Van Zant to too. You miss Towns Van Zant. That's okay, because I would have told a long, boring story about hosting um, a, a documentary movie release uh, by Towns Van Zandt in New York. And at the time, I was working on a farm in LaGrange, Kentucky, and I hadn't really come across humans in a long time. And <laughs> it was a big culture shock th- thing for me. So it's actually one of the funnier uh, nights in my life. But that's all beside the point. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll save that. I, actually, Jack brought a Towns Van Zandt song. Um, so maybe I'll bring a Towns Van Zandt to you at some point and you can you can tell that story yeah i've never really listened to him aside from that one night it's one of those things that just like uh you know and i'll be quite frank like nick drake is another thing that yeah is you know is another artist that i haven't spent that much time listening to in my life um oh. which you know is you know it's just like saying you haven't seen like um the, the godfather you know like <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah yeah, which no, I, quite frankly, I haven't. But uh, <laughs> start with Godfather Two. Um, but I did see Rough Night on the plane in the house. Uh, two bad movies, but uh, you know, and I saw Dunkirk on the world's tiniest screen, which is not the right way to watch I mean, it. But, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how it was intended. <laughs> yeah, but that's you know, hell with all that. We're gonna. I, I would let's kick off the show with the music. Uh, this might be the most. Uh, often listened to song that we've ever played on the podcast. It was a song that was co-written by Ian Curtis and, of course, recorded after his death, Ian Curtis of Joy Division. And it's the, uh, the first single by uh, The Marvelous New Order, and it's called Ceremony. Instantly recognizable pop music.
order. Yeah, so I, I think that's the only song that there's versions of by both Joy Division and New Order. But of course, that's the New Order version, and it was their first single. And uh, that's when Bernard Sumner obviously sang that, Peter Hook, Stephen Thomas. And it must have been, you know, very weird. Because of course, the story is pretty well known about Ian Curtis. He hung himself, like, quote, on the eve of, of Joy Division's first U.S. tour. Right. And um, perhaps whether it was a number of reasons, but uh, just the tumultuous nature of doing a U.S. tour and maybe not wanting to leave his environs was just like too much or who knows what was really going on with him. But, you know, New Order carried on. And that's how they kicked it off. It was like a very transitional thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I've never met any of them. I saw them when I was 19 years old. And uh, they were excellent. And then uh, actually the night before uh, my buddy John got married, I saw him play at New Order, play a brilliant show on a huge par Hyde Park, I believe, in London. And it was a it was a magical thing to watch. And... Uh, just a dear favorite of mine, like, you know, like one of those things, like, you know, when you need to like pull out a special song, new order ceremony, my seven inch version is just so great thing to listen to. And that's a similar version. I think that's like the 12 inch version. You know, how that all yeah. works when there's like 10 different versions of a great song. Like an old but, friend. Yeah, it is new like order. an old friend yeah. to me. So it's nice to hear it. It's just like, to me, the three songs pod, you know, I think I personally have been a part of about 25 or something of these. Like, so it's nice to return to the podcast, uh, listening to an old friend of a song. Yeah, no, bring, bring it, bring it home with something that feels good and comfortable. And I like now I'm that. back in the zone, Mike. I like now things that. Makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> the world is in its, its right place. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I'm, of course, you know, I mean, I think anybody listening to this show is going to be, a New Order fan, going to be a Joy Division fan. But for me, they're, they were a later, not later discovery, because I think I'd heard Perfect Kiss when I was in high school, when it first came out. And I think I heard a lot of that stuff when it was contemporary. But yeah. I think stupidly, and you know, I mean, this is like in the 80s. You know, maybe it happens still with kids these days. I don't know, but like back when when we were teenagers, you'd kind of fall in camps, and for for better or worse, like New Order and Joy Division were more like the the goths and the uh, like the electro. You know, like I, I grouped them into the 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 kids that were listening to like Erasure and Depeche Mode and. You know, while I was listening to Minor Threat and uh, uh, you know Minutemen or whatever, so I, yeah, I see. That I had a special moment in my life when I was a teenager, when I was like fifteen or sixteen, and like I was flipping through records, and I bought a copy of Unknown Pleasures, the you know the really famous Joy Division record. Yeah, and I didn't know what to make of it. Like my favorite bands at the time were Echo and the Bunnymen and REM, and it was just this, to me, it was like this very haunting thing, like. I listened to it over and over and over again, and I was never goth, you right? Know? Um, yeah. But at the same time, it, it like made an impact. And then, you know, I, I was never like a huge fan. Like I was, I mean, you know, running around with an unknown pleasures T-shirt on, but uh, 
I had the, you know, I guess the privilege of like uh, following their career and like, and you know, listening to all the the albums as they came out. So it's just one of those bands that, uh, you know, if I flip through my records, I've got like five or six in there, and and uh, some of my favorite songs, like, you know, they're eminently danceable and just like easy kind of a lot of ways like what i would call like easy listening to be in the end you know like a new order of course is way poppier than joy division like you're talking about perfect kiss right it's the easily digestible version like right well and you know i mean it's like i feel stupid for having slept on them or 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 so easily pigeonholing and dismissing them and incorrectly well, you wouldn't you wouldn't be stupid you would just be like it didn't catch you at the right place at the right time no it, i i think uh, looking back i think it was just you know stupid teenage ignorance um but uh well, no but it's just it could have been like it just you know it didn't because i mean there's a lot of things that i missed out like for example like you know we've talked about the wipers like um that's a band that i you know i had the ep and i'd listen to and stuff like that but it just didn't i mean i love it you know but i it never was like special to me. Yeah, know? no, I mean, yeah, fair enough. I Things think, happen I think, fast. Like, I think for me, I just, like, I, I too, I'm, I'm going to say I too easily dismissed, and it's the sort of thing that when I got older, I dove in a little bit more deeply and really appreciated that texture and nuance that you mentioned, and kind of the the mood. You know, I mean, what they were doing in terms of like creating moods within pop music, it was. But what were your like neat. foundation albums of that time? Like when you were like seventeen, so mine were Gang of Four Entertainment, like really changed my life as a yeah. kid. Yeah. The first time I heard it when I was fourteen, fifteen. And then, you know, REM Murmur and you know, Chronic Town and stuff like that. And Echo the Bunnyman big style too, Crocodiles and Heaven Up Here and you know, at the same time, you're basically saving all the money that you make from your teenage jobs, and you're you're spending as much as you can buying records. Right, right, yeah, it, it, absolutely. But you know, for me, it was a lot of a lot of the similar ones, but you know, almost skewed more to you know, it was certainly double nickels on the dime, all the SST stuff. It, right. You know, like it was. I was going down certain paths with friends, and back then it was like, you buy this, and I'll buy this, and we'll tape each, you know, for each other. And we were going down certain paths that weren't necessarily leading us to Factory Records or 4AD or some of that other stuff, you know. And I didn't discover The Fall until I was a little bit older. I didn't discover... You know, I was a big fan of the no, class. Not till college either, but like yeah. Mutant Pop. I bought that when I was like sixteen. It's so like Mekons. Right. Yeah. Gang of Four, like that kind of thing. And like Yeah. Absolutely. And there's weird twists and turns when you're a teenager in the early eighties that you know, gravitate you towards like, you know, all kinds of I mean, I listen to Aztec Camera, like you know, like and the Smiths, like the Smiths were, you know yeah. you know, of course, you know, meet his murder and all the and the you know, I mean, there's a it's just it's a weird time in your life and like if actually the Cure is a band like uh, that I never really liked for this for the same reasons at the time when mm-hmm. I was a kid mm-hmm. when I was a teenage kid until I saw them when I was 18 and I was like I had the first record and I loved it but until I saw them play like a two and a half hour concert when I was 18 at Georgetown like I, I figured out like wow, this band's actually really, really good. And 
they made a lot of like a lot of great songs and then I cottoned on to that. But like it just happened things happen really fast between the ages of like fourteen and twenty when you're listening to a ton of music. Like you're so heavily influenced by every day of music listening. Right. Well absolutely. And and you know, some of it too, I think back being a teenager in the eighties it was especially if you were not if you were seeking out sounds that weren't being played normally on on radio uh, or even on well, there MTV. Were, you know, radio was just like Billy Squire and shit. Right, you know? right, right. So, <clears throat> so uh, and Queen, Queen, and like you know, like, yeah, um, Tom Petty, and like you know, big you know, Eagles, and like big you know, even like MacArthur Park. Like it was just. I mean, you, we, we felt like when you went to the record store and you're like 14, 15 years old and you're buying all this stuff, like, you know, in a lot of ways you're like listening to music and at the same time you're like, you're trying to be cool. Well, but, you know, some of it is just what you end up falling into, like what your friends... What you end up flipping through and buying or what right, your friends right. buy. What you're, exactly, what you end up being exposed to. So, so yeah, for me it was uh, New Order took a little while, you know, and when I finally got there I was like... I was, you know, I'll say it. I was being stupid. I was being stupid. Well, you missed 25 great songs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That kind sure. of thing. Like, and, and, um, it's just like a lot of bands you play. Like, you know, if it, that's a band that I wish, like, you know, I'd stumbled upon, you know, when you did, when you were a teenager in your early 20s or whatever, and that you just miss out on. Like, you know, it's just, you know, one interesting thing about, you know, the congruence of the show is that our, formative years of listening to music as teenagers and in our 20s like you know comes out all the time right it's just like i didn't hear velvet underground until i was 20 so i never heard velvet underground until 1987 you know yeah. or 1986 like when vu that you know the sort of compilation then then, it, then you tie into a lot of things you know and well just like a you know song i'm gonna play later on the show tonight like i never would have been exposed to kraut rock at all if it wasn't for Malcolm's being really into it, you know, so right. he, he kind of turned me on to all that whole genre, Pulp of and like Almond Duel. I don't even know how to say the band names right. Like I could say, we could say Can and Faust, but I remember the first time I heard You Do Right, I'd just finished dishwashing all day. And they, my, my buddy Ken Ganfield, who was into like Throbbing Gristle and Nurse with Wound, like they picked me up and like put me in the car and, and had me listen to You Do Right. And I was covered from head to toe and in dishwater and like, it was a you know mind blowing twenty minutes of my life, you know. And then to see Thin White Rope cover it live is amazing. So like, yeah. everybody's paths are, are different, you know. But. Right, for sure, for sure. And yeah, it, it's like if you hadn't, like if I'd had that experience when I was that age, you know, it would have like all the little paths that you could have gotten to quicker, you know. But that's what this show's about. It's exposing. You expose yeah, stuff I mean, like, me. like you know, the great thing about doing this show with you is that you know you're constantly playing things that like I wish I would have listened to when I was like 18 or 25 or like you know whatever. And then the older music, you know, it's interesting to think about like so we were listening to, like kind of current rock and like you know just like every other kid like just like trying to be cool or like trying to define what cool is and like loving music and, and we neither I mean, like did you play like I never even thought about playing music ever. Because I really couldn't. Like, I kind of really couldn't do. I kind of um, tried to, but I just was not focused enough, and I was not. I didn't have the innate talent. I didn't have like the the big long fingers to play guitar, or you know, like I like it didn't immediately click, and I wasn't. 
uh, you know, I didn't have because you weren't ri- like we didn't like grow up like I mean I took like a couple of piano lessons and like yeah. there was no magic there and like right. I mean I played in the marching band when and when I was like in fifth and sixth grade and like I couldn't really drum worth a crap and like and uh, so you know you figure all this stuff out but like the 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 one thing that you knew that you could do that you were very comfortable with is you could buy records and go see bands. That's like, <laughs> that, that was like the most comfortable aspect of yeah, um, for sure. the musical experience. Yeah. So like, it, and I had the, it was an absolute pleasure growing up in Richmond, Virginia because there was so much action there. And like, there's a band called honor roll that have you ever listened to honor? Oh my God, man. I love honor roll. Yes. Yes. I saw honor roll. I'm not kidding you. Like I saw honor roll 80 times. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and that was a band that would open up for like all the great bands. So we knew if like honor rules, like not headlining and playing a support gig, then it would be absolute magic. Like, you know, Penn and Bob are going to be up there. And like, we knew we were going to get like at least like 45 minutes minutes of like honor roll. And then some, some sort of crazy, brilliant stuff was going to follow it, you know? That's great. That's awesome. Well, you'll have to bring some honor roll because you, like, I know a little bit, I have, uh, LP, I have the seven inch, I have, you know, I have some of their stuff, but obviously you're much, much, much more knowledgeable. They're Richmond, they're Richmond legends. So, you know, bring, bring some honor roll. Um, we'll talk about that, but that's a good segue. So most of the records I bought as a kid, I bought from either Bob Schick or Jimmy Blackford. Bob Schick was, you know, he's lead singer of honor roll. And like he had this, he's, such a sweet guy he's like as sweet as steve keen the artist he but like his sneer behind the counter of the record store like people like i don't even know if they have that experience anymore in record stores like the whole era of like the proprietor of a record store being a really mean guy and like you're really you've got twenty dollars to spend you're gonna buy like three or four records if you're lucky and there's a guy sneering the whole time (laughs) right judging you (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you feel it. So you're, like, nervous to put stuff on the counter. And, like, they had to write out everything. Like, <clears throat> And the same thing occurred when I was in college. When I went to college, like, it was the same kind of thing. And then ended up working at a record store and, like, being super nice because I didn't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And, uh, and then moving to Hoboken, where Pure Platters was, legendary record store there, it was, like... It was like tension, you know, there's like going to the record store is like tension. And I remember like, oh, maybe if I buy this, you know, you know, it's not even like, you know, will they think that I'm cool? It's just like, it was like a test. It was like, right, right, right. Yeah. It's, it was, for me, it was more like, I just don't want to be made fun of. (laughs) Yeah. There's enough of that going on in high school. I didn't want it in the record store too. Yeah, what was your main jam record store? Because mine was Plan 9 in Richmond, which still exists. It's moved a few times, but it still exists. So I grew up in Thousand Oaks, California. Record record outlet um, Mm -hmm. was one of them. And we we would drive to L.A. We would go to record stores down there. We'd go to Tower Records. We'd go to Rhino Records. Yeah. Where um, my later, years later, my, my really good friend, Nels Klein, worked at rhino records and i remember the tall gangly blonde-headed guy behind the counter selling me records and i you know i didn't years later met him became a very close friend of mine he actually oh, cool. yeah, yeah i met him one time yeah he he may uh you're gonna be he's out there playing with wilco though, he is he? he is yeah. he may be sitting in later when the next time you go on a little hiatus um 
got him. Oh, fantastic! He's a you know. I wish I knew him better, but I, I you know, I, I know his music. Sweet man, very sweet man. And so anyway, he would sell me records when he was you know playing music and not making a living off of it. And when he was working at Rhino Records, um, but yeah. Well, just, anyways, the message is we might not be worth a crap, but a lot, a lot, at least a lot of cool people sold us records. Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned honor roll. I bought a seven inch that was reissued. I think it was one of their first seven inches that Merge Records reissued. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the whole Merge camp are... In fact, they put out Coral, the post-honor roll band. Right. They put out Breadwinner, Pens. Yep. You ever listen to Breadwinner? A little bit. Not nearly oh, that's, enough, that's though. Like, that's, well, there isn't much there. I mean, there's basically about 40 total minutes of music ever, but what a wicked live band they were. I mean, whoa. Yeah, I see. I, Pen, I, Pen, I, Pen Rawlings is an amazing guitar player. Yeah. Like, for, just a wicked axe wielder, you know. For sure. So uh, I'm going to use that as a segue and you playing New Order, I had wanted to play this band. Uh, they're kind of a fun, you know, indie rock, poppy indie rock band uh, from Stockholm. Are they current? Sweden. They current? They're current. They're actually, um, so this is from their first album. It was released, I think it was released in like 2003. I think I heard it when it was, it got wider release in 2005. And I heard it, actually, you know where I heard it was? I heard it on... Rodney Bingenheimer's radio show in never at, listened to that at K K Rock. Um, he it was you know f- going way Rodney on the Rock years and years ago was yeah like I know that the cutting edge and then even when K Rock became very commercial and very you know industry you know it was like led the alternative rock movement they they still gave Rodney his show. And so this I was is what home. Made the station cool. It was, yeah. So I was home visiting. Is he still alive, Bingenheimer? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but I was home. I think it was probably 2005 in Southern California, visiting family, and um, listening to his radio show. And I heard him play this song. And, cool. Or, and uh, who's, it, who's it by? It's a band called The Shout Out Louds. It's from their first cool. album. Howl, howl, gaff, gaff, and um, yeah. Later, Swedish, right? Before you told me they're Swedish. Yeah, exactly. Later, they um, they ended up, and I think now they just put out a record on Merge. There's still a, a, a going concern on Merge Records, uh, but yes, Rodney is still alive. He's still doing radio, um, and he's still. Uh, Turning you on to new stuff. So uh, here we go. Shout out louds. This one reminds me a little of New Order. It reminds me almost of like Age of Consent in a fun way without being too much of a ripoff. But hope you dig it. It's called Shut Your Eyes. Nice segue. Nice segue. Shut Your Eyes. Here you go.
There you go, Bob. Shout out louds. Oh, that was really fun listening. Yeah. You know, they're just a fun, fun, good pop band. Yeah. That's one that very would boppy, very boppy. Get people out on the dance floor next time you're DJing. They have to dance really fast. <laughs> well. You know what I mean? When they've when they've got their bellies filled with Belgian ale, they're not gonna dance very fast. <laughs> it's okay. They kinda wanna swing their hips. They, they, could, slow, that kind of they could pogo maybe. Well, they're not gonna dance in my next pick. Okay. Well, in the, unless they're really um, doing some, unless they're art dancers. Like, but I'm going to take us to Germany and take us to the Cosmic Rock. Mr. Prog Ghosty's rock. a big fan. Manuel Gutsching, pretty obscure. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. Klaus Schulze and Conrad Schnitzler are on this. They were, of course, Tangerine Dream. And uh, this is when uh, Ghost is getting really pumped. Ghost, Ghost likes this band, yeah. Ghost is back in action. He likes, you know, he'll probably never go to Germany. Um, but if he does, um, he would like to, he'd like to, like, hang out with Faust. He'd actually like to run the, you know, what do they do? They, they bring, like, a big piece of, uh, like, a one of these things on stage that chops up pavement. It's, uh, <laughs> is that symbolic, Bob, or is that, is that literal? No, I saw Faust, like, um, with uh, Mark Hogan. Not too long ago, like a year and a half ago, in Iowa City as part of their Mission Creek Festival, and uh, it was a fantastic thing to watch. Uh, you've listened to Faust, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was amazing to see him live, and it was actually pretty cool to recognize a few of the songs as well. But just a marvelous performance. And then they, they do, they're one of these bands that, like you know can like tell a crowd like be quiet in the front and like contain your conversations in the back and listen to Faust like. <laughs> <laughs> you can, that's a pretty high man, mantle like uh, absolutely you know, kind of like you can't just like go up there and say like shut up and listen because that's rather rude but uh, anyway he's going to play Ashrod Temple a band that I never would have heard of uh, without the assistance of like uh, the heavy listening habits of uh, of uh, Stephen Malkmus who when he was a kid at some point, he got really, really into kraut rock, and he turned he turned us on to all this stuff. Okay, like I never, I mean, like eventually, I guess I would have heard Cam, but like, you know, he had us, you know, listening to all this stuff, and he bought everything in sight. Like, you know, we had a marvelous record library at WTJU in Charlottesville, and he would just wear it all out. We had a two to six a.m. show that he was the host, but mostly he would just be listening, and me and my buddy Ken Ganfield would be actually spinning, and. uh but anyways, Ashraw Temple, this is Whoopi. It's they've got like a lot of twenty minute songs. I think this was about three. But it kind of like uh it's odd. Okay, but at the same time it's 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 this fun freaky listen. All this right. is Whoopi Whoopi by Ashraw Temple. All right. Mr. Ghosty with the intro too. He's pretty pumped, yeah.
That's a pretty one. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, one. so if you were playing, if you were playing it, like if we were good guitar players and we're looking to like find guitar heroes and stumbled upon something like that, be like, hold on, like this is amazing. Like to play along with this, like to listen to this over and over again, like you know, play along and figure out where the guitar goes. It's just that uh, I don't know who actually was playing the guitar on that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful though. Yeah, but uh, just a wicked piece of psychedelic rock music. Yeah, and and Ashra Temple never they never sang they never bothered they didn't want to sing in German or English so they decided like do do all instrumentals and that's from uh, it's a of a private tapes thing by Gutching that. It's a, it was actually released in the 90s, but all that music was made in the early 70s. That's cool. Yeah, I, they're a band I've heard, certainly, but never really... You know, this, is, this is one of the great things about doing the show with you, Bob, is this is a perfect example of a band that has been on my periphery and I've been aware of and has been on my radar, but like you play it, Go, oh God! I, I I need to dive in deeply. <laughs> I need well, to it's dive one of those things, like you know, like bless, like net neutrality, like access right now to music is insane. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no matter how you're getting it, you know, no matter how what your site is, like it's all out there. Like right. And if you really love it, then you can step up to the plate and buy it, or look for it, or when you flip through bins, you can get it. You know on your travels or hell yeah. you live in new york you right know, there's probably some ashra temple records probably overpriced like within 10 <laughs> miles of your house <laughs> i don't think there is in des moines if they are hopefully they're in a thrift store for like two or three bucks you yeah. know like but uh yeah it's and then there's always like uh websites you can order records off of that kind of thing but you know the beauty of the internet is you like you, know, you hear something you love, and you're like, "Oh, I'd love to have that. I'd be willing to pay fifteen dollars to have it." But shit, it costs fifty eight. So, right, right, this is all. I, this is all I can really get. So. Right, right, for sure. Anyways, well, the, diffi- the difficulties of modern music shopping. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'll take a quick detour to say uh, I, I I got my keep uh, the internet wide open, Mike. Keep keep, keep it, the internet yeah. wide open. Keep it keep it wide open. I got my um my hook for a lot of reasons, not just music, but music is one of the things that cannot be compromised. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I got my uh, I got my receiver turntable hookup set up, so um it opens Whoa, up a, a lot of music. Uh, I'm not playing any today from it, but I can I can now play v- straight from vinyl to the podcast. I'm very pleased to tell you one thing about uh, DJing in in England over the last couple of weeks is uh, one thing you turned me on to on this show that I'd, I'd heard of but never listened to much was the Renderers album that we both bought. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I played a few cuts off of that. And that might have been like the most like, hey, what was that? <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty cool. Like, that's actually, great. like. And all you do when you've got headphones on, you're trying to find the next record, like with a flashlight, all that kind of stuff, like is just hand them the record cover. Mm-hmm. And like pe- I had people like writing down the renderers. So like <laughs> taking pictures with their phone. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was cool. Like, I love it. I think I think we sold like four or five copies of the renderers record. 
for sure. In Kick- fact, a couple of people have been like, hey, what was that again? Like, got in touch with me since I got home, and I've been, like, taking a picture of the record. So, like, same thing with uh, Nogo Rez, the, the Tel Aviv artist that I played on the, a couple shows ago. Yeah. Like, now, that was cool, too. I, I dove into her stuff after you played that. That, that was a, a nice one. I would never have found that if you hadn't played it for me, so thank you. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, well, well hit, me with, hit me with your next thing I've never heard. Well, so this <laughs> we're, going, we're going back to 1975. This, this would have been relatively obscure. This is one of those Crate Digger records. It, was, it came out in 1975 on Vanguard Records. Not really known for their funk or soul, but certainly a very good record label. Uh, known for for some more adventurous music, and um, this artist, I think this is the only album she recorded, at least at the time, and then um, kind of fell into semi obscurity until she was rescued in the late '90s from from semi obscurity, at least. This is Camille Yarbrough. This is Camille Yarbrough. She was she was re- rescued. Because this song was sampled in a big, big, big hit. Uh, I won't even say anything else more than that, but I just love, this is a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. It's a I love beautiful, the idea of sampling rescuing songs. It's a, it's a beautiful funk soul tribute from you know an amazing and underappreciated artist. Um, who's still who's still around? I, you know, I think she's doing other stuff. She's not necessarily she's an author. She does some singing, but uh, but yeah, this is a this is a great record. The album is called The Iron Pot Cooker, 1975. Camille Yarbrough, and the song is called Take Your Praise. We've come a long, long way together through the hard times and the good. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. You're so rare, so fine. I'm so glad you're mine. You're so When you work your way around 
So you know the song, right, Bob? I mean, you might not know that version, but you, I'm sure. Well, could. I certainly enjoyed that. I might yeah. be. The, I think that's the sexiest music ever played on the Three Songs Pod. <laughs> it, it could very well be, but uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's cold out here. Thanks for making that red hot. Trying to nice. warm you up. I know you. Usually, yeah. Usually, you kick off. Usually, you kick off the show with one of those burners. Well, you were starting it. You started it with. Uh, New well, Order. I started with you know instantly recognizable yeah. pop song, but I wanted to let you do your thing. Sampled would... by Fatboy Slim, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. We would we we'll hide that in the middle of the show for those paying attention. So yeah, but that's like badass. Like think about Vanguard. Vanguard was like a label started like in the fifties or something, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And you know Camille, she's still with us, right? She's, she's still be with around us. Eighty, she's yeah. eighty. She's, she's yeah. close, yeah. No, bless her heart. She's fantastic. Yeah. It's about as sultry as it gets on the three song. We can, <laughs> you can't get more sultry than that. Yeah. I, I got one that's kind of along those lines from that same era that that I'm going to drop on you soon. Um, well, shave your weaponry for like the kickoff of the of I, I, another show. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll use... Well, we'll be back on Friday night. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll start with uh, start Friday with, with, with a song along those same lines. The hint I will give you is... Uh, it's in a song from the woman who founded um, a very influential hip hop label. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so that's all I'll say. Anyways, I'm gonna play a song by. I'm gonna take us back to the world of indie rock in the late '80s and early '90s. Or actually, I think this band existed from '88 to '98. Dunedin, New Zealand-based band, one of your favorite music cities of, in the world. Absolutely. Okay. 
Absolutely. And uh, 3Ds were a band that I had the pleasure of playing with many times. And this is a song that I'd watched them play. And this is the song where I knew it was on. Like, and just the guitar work. Just a great, great piece of New Zealand rock and roll music. All right. Evil Kid. Not the early days. These are like the, okay. uh, the, the mid years. Yeah. Yeah. Evil that's who kid. was representing when I first went to New Zealand in '93. That's okay. It's 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 all good stuff, man. The three Ds. Let's do it. Thanks. Very, very good, underappreciated band, 3Ds. We know whether they were called the 3Ds, right? No. Oh, yeah, because Dennis, or sorry, Denise, David, and who was the third D? Dominic was the drummer. Dominic. There you go. Right. And and by by the time that song was recorded, they they added the brilliant David Mitchell for the dual guitarist hack. Well, David Mitchell, I mean, he's he's been, he's like almost... underappreciated New Zealand legend in he's a wizard he's an absolute guitar wizard yeah he he was and in goblin mix who are not very well known and the exploding ghost budgies club, ghost club which was ghost you know, club yeah, uh the David Mitchell and Denise the plagal plagal grind oh yeah with yeah. uh Alistair Galbraith and Peter Jeffries uh one of these days soon very King soon Fins, kingpins of like uh definitely 90s New Zealand rock and like such a pleasure, such fine people, like just like really good people to be around. Like, nice. 
Uh, I've and, never uh, met uh, any a great party, a great yeah. party wherever they went. And uh, David That's Saunders awesome. is such a fantastic uh, singer and guitar player, and and uh, Dom is just a, a formidable drummer. And Denise just woof, she held, she held, she was like. Oh, so much respect for her. Just, just great people to be around. Like, and that we had the pleasure of like, obviously playing with them down there. But when they came to Europe and like, ooh, tough. That's like again, I've said it many times. Yeah, I think you mentioned yeah, it. You we play, play with a band like, like that. Okay, and like they've done their, they've, they've done their damage. It's like walking on hot coals following a band like that. <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, uh, you know, Denise but they were was in flying the flying the flying nun flag. For for sure, yeah. she, D- Denise prior to the three Ds was in look look blue go purple, and I played them exactly. on a previous show. What a great band, amazing band. Uh, they've all of their stuff has recently been reissued. Um, really cool. Yeah, finally look getting flying nun. Um, you know, I don't know. It might might be one of those reissue labels like Captured Tracks or something like that. But e- either or way, whatever it takes, right? You know, like, a band that's finally getting their due. Um, amazing artist. So. Yeah. So uh, I haven't seen them in many years. I miss them all. I'm in touch with them a little bit on social media and that kind of thing. But well, tell them, tell them they've got a fan in Forest Hills. Yeah, time. I might hug them too hard if I ever saw them again. <laughs> but let's hope I will. You know. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna end the show with a song from almost the same area. This is this is Australia. Oh, hope everything's okay there, Bob. Knock over. Well, some... no, it's high winds here. Oh. No cans blowing all around. That kind of thing. Okay. We're good. All right. Good. Um, yeah. No, I've done the show in high winds. It's um it's seasonal weather here. I would like to call it. It's, it's like 29 with oof. a high wind. Oof. Yikes. Coming from the north. Sounds it's good. Sounds no f- like no fun, but uh, it wouldn't know. It wouldn't be three songs pod without like uh, <laughs> without a little to me <laughs> a little peripheral yeah. noise. All right, I, that's, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't know what I don't know what Jack and the other dude brought to the table, but I guarantee you that they weren't like in like uh, they weren't feeling like Eskimos. They probably weren't. They were in Portland, uh, so maybe it was it was a little warmer. But uh, they put their umbrella up. Everything's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna end the show with a band called The Apartments. And I don't know if you know them, but uh, they're an Australian group, and they're led by a guy named Peter Milton Walsh, who okay. um, they he, he's been in a number of other bands. He actually for about five minutes in the beginning played with the go-betweens and I think they wanted him or they, they, they toyed with the idea of bringing him on as a full-time member, but realized that he was almost a little too dark for them from his like songwriting approach. Um, and they've put out some, the apartments have put out some really good, uh, amazing pop, like kind of dark pop records. Um, they actually have dark, a song. Dark pop. Yeah, dark they actually pop. have a song on the uh, some kind of wonderful soundtrack, which is a, a movie that featured the Feelies playing live in the uh, gym for a. I don't know if you've seen that movie in a while, but uh, um, I don't think I've ever seen it. What's oh, it called again? Some kind of wonderful. Jonathan Demi. I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah, you should you should check it out. Good good soundtrack. Good like new wave soundtrack. But um, the the apartments. 
Um, you can't gamble on it, right? No, you can't. Um, you can't uh, they, th- this is a song from 1979 from their first 7-inch, and then they didn't really... They, he, Peter went on to some played in some other bands and and then he brought the apartments back for their first album in like 1985 like six years later with a completely different sound much darker um and, and that album's really good too it's called the evening visits and stays for years um by all means check out check out the apartments but enjoy this one much much well even though uh, even though i've never heard it before i'd like to send this song out to all my mates in Margate at the tap room tonight. Okay. And I don't think I'm listening tonight, but uh, if you're ever in Margate, go to the tap room. I will, for sure. Yeah. This yeah. this one... I'll see you there. 1979 uh, guitar rock song from Australia. If you close your eyes and listen, and if I didn't tell you this was The Apartments, and if I said this was The Verlaines, you might, Ooh, you might believe me. Uh, This one's called Refugee. Enjoy it. Perfect. Thank you. Cheery song with some dark lyrics there, Bob. Yeah, damn right. That did sound like the Verlaines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love, I love that song. I love that band too. Um, and and had that not come out in '79, even a few years before the Verlaines were first recording, you might think that was somebody ripping the Verlaines off. But um, I don't even know if they'd hurt each other. You know what's amazing about this show is we've never really touched on Chris Knox, have we? We haven't. We yeah. haven't. We could do a whole. We could do a whole like yeah, month worth of just New Zealand stuff. I want to. Well, we could do, do, but like you know, tall dwarfs. Like you know, come on. Oh yeah, tall dwarfs I mean, and the enemy and the toy love. Uh, all of that. There's stuff. a lot of place to go. Like, and yeah. when you're like, you've got two. 
We got two songs down. We got plans here. We're going to be back on Friday night. We do. Yeah. We'll be back Friday. I guess I'm starting it off with, um, yeah, with that you song. You got a game plan. You're going to yeah. keep us sultry. Yeah. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do songs. I was thinking about doing songs about sex. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Come on, Dino. Well, you know, I mean, it's sort of like songs about fucking, but not. Oh like, my God. Not big black. Come on, this you know is, this you, is a family show. You know that record, right, man? I, I mean, I can I can pull it out right now if you want. No, but... don't please don't pull it out. No, I'm saying the record. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. It's got a lime green cover. You know, this is a. <laughs> Let's keep this PG-13. <laughs> Anyways, we'll we'll be back, which is a very weird description for anything <laughs> PG-13. You know. But anyways, like. Well, Roy th- Moore is the worst. Roy Moore is a terrible person, but he could be the worst horseman ever, ever, <laughs> ever filmed in history. He could be. He could be. He he, he rode. And I saw all these messages today about like, you know, the famous like, whatever it is, like, tell with you and the horse you rode. I was like, right. come on, let's have some sympathy for the horse. Let's have some sympathy for the horse. He he rode. He rode that horse like a monkey rides a dog. Well, it's an insult to the monkey, for sure. Insult to the monkey, but the dog's a, uh, the horse himself is a proud animal. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like, what? What did I do to deserve this? At this point, I only really care about the horse. I swear to the horse for God's yeah, sake. Exactly. All right. Anyways, well, any any opportunity you have, rescue a horse. I don't care if it's like a twelve year old. It's got one hundred and fifty races under its belt. Retire a racehorse when it needs to be retired. And then, and I'll see you next time. It's All great right. to hear you. You too, man. And, uh, Good talking happy again. Happy holiday season. And uh, it's good to be back on the pod. Two more days. We'll be back again. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. And good to be back, Bob. Thanks, Mike.